Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news in the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. This is episode number 35, and we're actually going to have a short and sweet one because there really wasn't a lot of news last week. All we're going to talk about is a couple of uh, updates around uh, what's happening around the world with COVID-19. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about GameStop, and finally, we're going to talk about uh, Sony finally releasing a little bit more information about the uh, PlayStation 5. But um, a few updates from last week. Number one, Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, Activision announced that they reached 30 million players within, I believe it was 10 days. I know it was under two weeks. Um, lower than I thought it would be. I, I definitely thought that if it ran the same pace at Apex Legends, it actually um, should have been a little bit higher. But it looks like it slowed down a little bit at the end now um apex had 25 million in its first week and um call of duty hit 30 million in about 10 days so it looks like they're they're taking off at a at a uh, at a similar pace um but uh i do think just because call of duty as as a franchise especially with everything that's happening around the world with more and more people staying indoors i think that they have the potential for a higher uh, ceiling than Apex Legends has. Um, and, uh, you know, I always look at Battle Royales as, you know, it's great to see the, these numbers. I'm sure Activision is really happy um, with getting so many players into uh, the game. But like I said, like at 30 million, I feel like that's uh, actually low for a franchise like Call of Duty, um, especially when you factor in that it's even higher um, for two reasons. Number one, obviously, it being free to play. I mean, you can imagine if this wasn't um, free for everyone, those numbers would have been way lower. Uh, but then the other thing is that for it to be at 30 million with everything that's going on right now, with a lot of people staying indoors, you know, Steam right now is breaking records every single day with concurrent players. You know, more and more people are staying home and uh, and playing games. So, um, you know, you can imagine that that number probably maybe wouldn't even reach 30 million if you weren't. Um, where we are right now. So even though it's an impressive number, I also do look at it as I think that number should have been a lot higher for a franchise like Call of Duty. Maybe it could be due to, you know, Blackout. Maybe a lot of people didn't believe in Blackout um, and felt like maybe this new one really was going to uh, make up for some of the mistakes that they made with that rollout. But all in all, it, it does look like it's, it's doing pretty well, uh, you know, critically, I think a lot of people are really loving it. But right now comes the hard part. The hard part is keeping players. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see what Activision is doing. It, look, it looks like they took a page out of the Fortnite book. And I believe that if you're looking at launching a successful battle royale or pretty much any um, game as a service nowadays, you have to look at this playbook that Epic Games built. And I think at the core of that playbook is teasing at the core of that playbook is keeping people engaged with, you know, map changing events. Um, and, and hopefully that's something that Activision will be doing with this, uh, with this, with Warzone. And, uh, you know, I think in the game, there are like bunkers and things like that, that people are trying to figure out how to get into. And, you know, as long, you know, them putting that mystery into the game, I think is, 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 uh, is a really, really big, important thing. So, um, uh, hopefully they, they are following closely to what um, Fortnite has been able to do. Some other COVID-19 updates. 
you know, one of the funny things and one of the amazing things I've seen coming out of this is esports. So, um, you know, esports are really the only sports on TV right now. Um, but what was interesting, we're seeing this this crossover: F1, NASCAR, and the Spanish Soccer League all held esports competitions between professionals and. Um, I guess esports professionals. I think it was. I don't think it was just straight up fans. I think there were also esports professionals for those sports. Um, so F one, they played. You know, uh, in in esport inside of the F one game, NASCAR. They were playing NASCAR, and then the Spanish Soccer League. They had like a mini tournament inside of FIFA. So I think it's it's really cool to see this um, happening. You know, esports kind of continuing to spread i'm really hoping that we see uh, nba do something similar with nba 2k i think that would be something that would be um really fun to watch if to, to get some of these players uh be able to play nba 2k or even you know mlb mlb the show and things like that you know there are a lot of things that can be done um you know to keep people indoors keep people watching uh and keep people engaged and talking about not just the sport that is not on at this moment um, but also hopefully get more people into um, esports and discovering esports and the merits behind it. So um, that's one positive thing that's that's, that's um, happened with everything that's happening right now. Uh, Razor announced that they'll be making surgical masks to help combat COVID-19, which is pretty great to hear. Um, now, uh, w- one of the bad things that will come out of this, I mean, for me, I feel like, you know, this isn't really something to be super worried about there are bigger fish to fry but um you know game delays are inevitable you know um at, at this moment i don't think it makes any sense unless your game was right around the corner to announce a delay but i think we will be hearing uh, some games being uh delayed within the next month but one of those i think is going to be last of us 2 you know um you know d- the story i was just talking about was them doing a lot of crunching i'm not really sure what their situation is right now in the offices or if people are working from home but there's only so much you could do from home um you know there's no way that you know those employees or at least i don't think so those employees will be able to you know uh, take unreleased code and unreleased data outside of their home. So um, I'm sure a lot of that work has to be done inside of that office and, and who knows exactly what their um, current situation is. I don't think that it would, this constitutes it as an essential business. So wherever these offices are, they probably are not even able to work even if they wanted to. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I, I do feel like if you're a gamer looking forward to something coming out this year, I think kind of brace yourself for, for possible um, delays coming from a lot of these studios. The good thing is that if if um, everything goes really well, you know, we can kind of get back to um, uh, not working the way that we used to uh, as a country, but um, be able to go back to, to, to work um, with a modified normal, a new normal, um, I, I should say. And uh, hopefully that, that, that means that most of these delays will only be a few weeks or a month, but obviously we'll have to kind of wait and see. Um, and then the last thing that's coming out of, of COVID-19 is, is Animal Crossing is uh, is uh, saving the world right now. <laughs> that's kind of the way that I look at it. When you look across social media, it looks like Animal Crossing has just taken over. I, I, I can't think of a better timeline for this game to uh have released for people to be able to use it um as an escape i feel like um if you spend way too much time watching 
um, news. I think it's important to get updates, but I think if you if you spend way too much time on social media, pulling these threads that are um, attached to COVID nineteen, I think I think you'll be filled with with dread um, all day long. So it's it's great to see you know Animal Crossing and even Doom Eternal come out um, this week in these two huge games for the year. Um, to be able to come out and you know give people an escape, and when I look at Animal Crossing, I, I I'm just amazed. You know, it looks like people are just having a lot of fun. There's a lot of memes being shared, a lot of funny moments being shared on on, on Twitter. That I've been going through. That I've been having a lot of fun with. Um, you know, to see people you know sharing the same you know similar struggles, whether it be you know waiting for blathers to open a museum and having a stockpile of things to donate or 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 what have you um and then you have a lot of people that have never played animal crossing um sort of get introduced to it and the way that i always explain animal crossing to people is that when i think of 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 video games and the reason why i enjoy animal crossing i've you know i i owned animal crossing for for gamecube which was the first north american release whenever i think of animal crossing i always think about games as a whole and i always tell people that most games really break down to uh, a conflict and most games have 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 combat to go along with that conflict and um you know, objectives can really be broken down very similarly between genres and, and across games, which is you're getting from point A to point B or you're uh, completing a mission that was given to you. And um, your objective is to kill enemies. Enemies' objectives are to kill you. And even in platformers, you know, there are enemies that are built to stop you from getting to, to, to point B from point A. And when I think of Animal Crossing, I realize that 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 doesn't really exist, right? There are really, there are no conflicts. There is no combat. Um, you know, you play the game at your own pace. You know, this is a very relaxing um, video game. You know, I think of games. You know, you look at both of these games that came out on the, the weekend. Doom Eternal's rock and roll, and Animal Crossing is uh, is lo-fi when it comes to music. It's very very relaxed and. You, know, you can sit back and just enjoy it. So I think it's pretty amazing to see um, this game come out. And, uh, you know, the sales, I'm, I'm sure the game already crossed a million easy. Um, but I'm not expecting Nintendo to really share sales right now because of what's happening. Maybe they might put out like a tweet that says, hey, a million of you have, you know, found in an island or something like that. You know, they'll try to play it down. I don't think they're going to put out numbers uh, at this moment because of what's happening. Um, and then we move on to GameStop. Unfortunately, GameStop had a bad, <laughs> they had a really, really, actually, you know, not unfortunately, I'm, that, that, that makes it feel like I feel bad for GameStop. I don't, you know, they had a bad week. Um, they, um, we're going to go through a quick timeline of, of, of GameStop. So first of all, GameStop told consumers they put actions in place to increase protection throughout stores, including providing its 5,700 retail stores with cleaning supplies and hand sanitizer, instructing employees to stay home if they are symptomatic, and encouraging customers to purchase products online rather than at retail locations. Um, now, that, that was a statement that they put out earlier last week. But basically, what started happening was a bunch of employees... Uh, came forward and were basically refuting everything that was being said in that statement. Um, they said they were not being supported by the company. They were not being sent cleaning supplies or hand sanitizers. GameStop was telling managers, hey, you know what? Go buy what you need. We'll reimburse you. But obviously, a lot of those items are very, very hard to find right now. Um, uh, there was talks of um, people that were 
eligible for paid time off being denied that paid time off that they had access to, such as managers or supervisors. Um, so it started off really bad. Then last Thursday, GameStar released a memo to employees that read, quote, due to the products we carry that enable and enhance our customers' experience in working from home, we believe that GameStop is classified as essential retail and therefore is able to remain open during this time. We have received reports of local authorities visiting stores in an attempt to enforce closure despite our classification. Store managers are approved to provide the document link below to law enforcement as needed. Um, so it's just, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know exactly how to address this. When I first uh, saw the story breaking through, I, I sort of couldn't believe that GameStop was stooped this low um, to fabricate. I mean, it's a complete fabrication. There's no way a video game retail or even an electronic retail such as Best Buy, there's no way that that will be considered essential retail uh, by any state or any country <laughs> across the world. Um, especially because we live in, you know, our industry is such a digital industry and you can get access to any game, pretty much any and every game um, online through, through individual services built into the systems that we own. There's no way that we can um, sit back and claim that GameStop is essential retail. So for them to kind of put that message out and then put their employees in that position to tell them like, hey, guess what? If local authorities tell you, come, they come by and tell you to close your store, just show them this email. You know, to put employees into that position, it just really sucks because I'm sure there are a lot of employees. I mean, not even a lot. I'm sure every single employee is saying to themselves, there's no way this is essential retail. I can't believe that if we're asked to close down our store, I have to basically not comply with these orders. I have to show them an email and tell them to call corporate. Like to have to, to have to put your employees into that position um, was obviously really suck. You know, essential businesses here in New York, for example, include things such as mass transit, hospital, grocery stores, supermarkets. Uh, they definitely don't include uh, electronics or video game stores. The only like tech arm that will be considered essential retail here in New York are like, um, um, I think like help centers, for example. So um, customer service for, you know, um, your internet provider, for example, would be considered essential retail. Um, but obviously a store just selling uh, video games uh, will obviously not be essential retail now what's funny is that when when they were talking about this the first thing i said to myself was they actually have a really simple solution which is you know what i would ask my managers to do is um not allow browsing cut off um trades and then um i would create sort of a barricade using shelving at the front of the store so if someone steps in they can't actually step into the store and then I would only allow people to do um, paid online pickup, which they already set up to do. Um, and that was funny because then that's exactly what they did. So on Saturday, GameStop decided that all stores that are allowed to operate under the state's individual guidelines, meaning that if a state is okay with non-essential um, stores being open, uh, what they can do is they'll operate by having stores close to traffic completely and only offering curbside deliveries for orders made online. So you would make an order online, you would go to the store, and then there'll be employee inside the store to bring you your uh, item. And that's the only way that you can shop at GameStop for the foreseeable future, um, unless your store is already closed. Now, what they did announce is that all closed stores, hourly employees will receive two weeks of extra pay time off, 
Part-timers will receive two weeks of base pay based on their average working hours within the last 10 weeks. So let's break that down. Number one, hourly employees being able to receive two weeks of extra pay time off is pretty good. You know, if you're hourly employee at GameStop, you do have your vacation. You do have sick pay for um, managers and assistant managers and things like that. So they should be okay for a few weeks. Um, the one that might hurt is are the part-timers. So part-timers, they say, will receive two weeks of base pay based on their average working hours within the last 10 weeks. Now, that's an important one to break down. So a couple things. Number one, part-timers do not have pay time off at GameStop. They do not have sick pay. Um, the other thing is that if they're getting paid their average working hours within the last 10 weeks, I mean, I'm going off of just my personal experience of once being a GameStop manager. If we're talking about the last 10 weeks in the beginning of the year, um, which would encompass um, February and January, um, your hours were probably already low. Like the average for a New York GameStop employee when I used to manage a store was probably like, and you'd probably be stretching, was probably like 14 hours a week. Um, so to, to be only able to get that amount of pay for two weeks um, really sucks <laughs> um, for a part-time employee. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens because I, I do think that some of these closings are going to last more than two weeks, possibly a minimum of three, maybe even four weeks is what's being projected. Um, so a, a few things about all of this, about what's happening at GameStop. Number one, it's great that they are giving extra pay time off and giving pay time off to part-timers. Hey, you know what? Something is better than nothing. There are a lot of companies right now, such as McDonald's, which are huge, successful, multi-billion dollar companies that are trying to fight um, governments in, in terms of um, having to give sick leave to their employees when they don't have to. Most part-timers, most games, oh, excuse me, McDonald's employees are part-timers. They do not have sick leave. Um, so I know that because of our, our industry and because I'm particularly talking about GameStop, it, it was, you know, I saw a lot of people getting angry at GameStop. I can't believe you're putting your employees in harm's way. A few things. Number one, GameStop was definitely not the only employer that did this. There are a lot of employers that are way more successful than GameStop is that are not on the edge of bankruptcy um, that were doing very much the same thing, pushing their employees to the limit. Even employees that had supermarket workers not not paying them hazard pay, not offering um, sick leave. I mean, we had the CEO of Whole Foods telling their employees like, hey, if you're healthy and an employee is sick and they don't have sick leave, you can lend them your vacation hours. And we're talking about Whole Foods, the company owned by Amazon, which is run by Jeff Bezos. And this guy makes $100,000 an hour. And I wish that was an exaggeration, but it's not exactly how, this man, how much this man generates in terms of his net worth, right? So there, you know, there are a lot of companies that are really, really showing their greed right now. And, uh, you know, when it came to GameStop and, and them fighting to not have their store closed, you know, GameStop is really fighting for their survival. You know, th this could be the, the, the nail in the coffin for GameStop. I mean, who knows, right? Because it's not just about, how long this is going to last. It's about how long is it until we get back to normal? How long is it? You know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are not considering video games an essential, you know, uh, expense right now. Um, how long will that last, right? Because so many people are in fear of their employment right now. Um, you know, we're about to hit 
a record unemployment rate here in the United States. You know, video games and video game purchases and entertainment purchases, those things are kind of the first to go um, when people don't have access to a steady paycheck, right? And then you think about the fact that the longer the stores close, the more and more people are being driven to digital uh, marketplaces. How many of the people are going to go digital for the first time and decide to never go walk into a GameStop ever again, right? So... You know, this can have long lasting ramifications for GameStop. So um, I I definitely don't defend what GameStop done, uh, uh, did. I think it's absolutely gross and disgusting. But at the same time, it it is GameStop. Like, I I, I was personally not surprised to see uh, that GameStop was trying to hold off for so long. Um, Yeah, like I said, it's, it's just one of those things where everyone's trying to navigate what this new normal is, and um, it's good to see that GameStop finally got it right, but, you know, I had talked about this when I spoke about GameStop uh, in the last show, when I talked about that GameStop needs a, a really big PR win, and unfortunately, it's a huge PR loss. Um, like I said, they have to be the quote-unquote gamers champ, and you're really not doing that by putting your um, employees in harm's way and not providing them the proper tools to even do the job that they're supposed to be doing. Um, especially with so many people struggling and, and the requirement to actually have a job right now. So this can lead to a lot of mass layoffs, maybe even more stores being closed than we thought would be closed. So uh, obviously we'll have to to wait and see. Um, last story, the only other story of the day is PlayStation 5. So PlayStation 5 had a Mark Cerny talk last week where they revealed uh, the technical specs behind the PlayStation 5. And I'm definitely not going to go down exactly what those specs are. But looking at the raw numbers from the GPU and the CPU, the Xbox Series X will have the edge when it comes to computing and and graphical power. But the PS5's advantage is this um, uh, solid-state drive speed at 5.5 gigabytes per second. It doubles the speed of Xbox's 2.4 gigabytes per second. It's actually so fast that Mark Cerny um, said the developers might need to slow the drive down to keep games from loading too fast. I guess for 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 um, experimentation purposes early on. Um, now, while Microsoft will have external drives created specifically for the Series X, Sony says that certified third-party SSDs will work. Um, so they do not have a dedicated um, NVMe slot. The, the way that the Series X um, does. It looks like you can use third-party external SSDs um, are going to work, but they must be certified as no drive on the current market supports this particular speed. Um, and Sony is doing a lot of things to optimize the system to work with this type of speed. So if you were to buy the SSD off the shelf right now, it will not be supported uh, by the system. Now, one way to look at it is a lot of gamers are looking at it in terms of okay, so this is not, um, it doesn't have to be sort of Xbox branded the way that Xbox had that Seagate branded um, external card. It might mean that um, it'll be cheaper for me to get uh, an external drive to expand my memory for the PlayStation 5. But actually, that's not true because SSDs are already expensive right now, and we're talking about getting SSDs to a speed that don't really exist on the market at this current moment. So once they do hit the market, it's going to take them a while to come down to a price that would be agreeable for a lot of people. So 
I think that's a little bit of a hurdle for uh, Sony is I think Microsoft will be able to offer external drives at a cheaper uh, price than Sony will be able to. And the thing is that you need an SSD in order to store these brand new games. You won't be able to store them on a regular external hard drive because that speed is necessary in order for the game to run because the games are being coded as such and the developers are relying on that increase in speed when they're developing these brand new games. So Sony might run into a little bit of a speed bump there if we find out that a one terabyte third party hard drive is going to be 400 bucks, for example, um, for it to run at that speed. And then I guess I don't think it needs like this official certification. But I'm sure that Sony's going to have to put up a list somewhere on their website that says, hey, this particular drive, you can use it on the PlayStation 5. It will be able to work. Um, but who knows? Maybe at some point next year, we'll be we'll, we'll see some of those drives hit the market. But once again, I don't think they're going to be uh, very, very cheap. An SSD for one terabyte, I think right now is like pushing two two fifty or something like that. So, you know, we'll have to to um, uh, wait and see. Um, the other kind of thing that came out of it was talking about backwards compatibility. Mark Zenny believed that the top 100 PS4 games would be compatible and take advantage of the new architecture, just like what Microsoft is doing, which is, you know, these uh, PS4 games will load faster. They'll probably be able to clock in at a higher frame rate, for example, um, take care, um, take advantage of things like ray tracing. Um, then after the talk, Sony released a statement saying, we believe that, quote, we believe that the overwhelming majority of the 4,000 plus PS4 titles will be playable on PlayStation 5. So a few things from that statement. Um, number one was the words we believe. I don't, I don't think uh, any consumer wants to hear the words we believe. Like your belief is very, very different from an actual fact. Um Sony has never really been good when it comes to backwards compatibility. Obviously, because of how unique the PlayStation 3 was, you would basically have to build a PlayStation 3 inside of a PlayStation 5 in order for it to be backwards compatible, unless they were to build some sort of cloud solution to it. So when Sony says, we believe that the overwhelming majority of the 4,000 plus PS4 titles, I take that with a grain of salt. Um... And I, I personally do not believe that that majority will be available day one. Maybe they'll hit that top 100 PS4 games. And I'm sure the priority are to get games that came out this year on there, right? Death Stranding, um, excuse me, Death Stranding came out last year, but that's a big exclusive. Death Stranding, uh, Last of Us 2, you know, Final Fantasy, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I'm sure those are the important ones, right? Those are the ones that if I'm Sony, I'm saying day one, these games must be backwards compatible. Um and then, and then you go through the rest of the list, right? You talk about The Last of Us uh, Remaster. You talk about uh, Uncharted 4, Horizon Zero Dawn, making sure these games are <clears throat> God of War, making sure these games are backwards compatible day one, and then you kind of move on from there. Now, backwards, compat backwards compatibility is important, in my, in my opinion, for the, for the industry. Nintendo has believed in it for a while. Um, you know, Microsoft has already announced... 100% uh, they announced this last year that day one Xbox Series X will be compatible with every Game Pass game, every Xbox One game, every Xbox 360 game that goes back is compatible on your Xbox One. The same thing will happen with Series X, which is when I was saying that technically they'll have the biggest game launch of all time. 
And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see if Sony matches them. Um, Microsoft also did confirm that their controllers are also backwards compatible. So for Xbox Series X, you can use the Xbox One controllers. I don't think uh, Sony has announced that there'll be backwards compatibility in terms of hardware outside of the VR headset. They did say PSVR will be supported on PlayStation 5. I don't know about controllers. I don't think they've they've, made that announcement. I didn't see that coming out of the talk. Um... But the big takeaway for me, um, actually, there, there, there are uh, a, a few takeaways to, uh, to take from this. Um, the number one big thing that I took away from PlayStation having this talk last week was the complete difference in messaging for this generation um, between Xbox and PlayStation, right? When you think about Sony, all we really knew about the PlayStation 5 was a logo that they showed off earlier in the year. Um, They uh, had those wired articles where they spoke a little bit about the controller, um, spoke a little bit about the SSD, used Spider-Man as an example in terms of loading times being cut down drastically. Um, But that was about it, right? That's really all we knew about the PlayStation before the presentation last week. And the presentation last week, um, that was really a, a GDC talk, right? It's not really, it was not really made for public consumption. So there are a lot of people that, when they saw the announcement come through PlayStation, Twitter, and and that announcement come through in terms of gaming news, when they saw PlayStation's finally finally going to talk about PlayStation. I think they expected something that was built for consumers, right? Maybe a look at the box being able to break things down in layman's terms. Uh, But that's not really what Sony put out there, right? It was a very heavily technical talk. And the reason why it was as such was because it was really a talk geared towards developers, which I think is very, very necessary, especially since the talk was supposed to be had at GDC. It just makes sense, but it doesn't make sense for public consumption. Before that happened, there should have been um, anything (laughs) at all, a short video, an article, Anything that could have been that was built for the general public consumption. Now, let's look at the difference between PlayStation's rollout and Microsoft's, right? Microsoft showed off their box and controller four months ago during the Game Awards in December, along with what we now know was real time footage of Hellblade 2. So, they've, um, along with that, and what we saw earlier with um, Halo Infinite, we've already seen two games on Series X that were running in real-time footage, right? When they showed off the box in December, they immediately began running ads, um, pretty much branding themselves as the most powerful system. Then they slowly trickled out specs, right, uh, through their own dedicated um, Xbox wire. Then the other great thing that Microsoft did was that they used layman's terms, right? So... When we talk about um, resuming the games, for example, they use the term quick resume. Um, when it, when we talked about um, being able to take games that you own on Xbox One and having an enhanced version being released on Series X, the fact that you won't have to buy the game twice, it was called smart delivery. Um, and they, they just broke it down very, very easily when it came to these um articles that they put out for people to read and understand, right? They didn't really go into the technicals of the GPU. You know, yeah, they put out the number of 12 teraflops, but they tried their best to talk about, this is what a faster SSD can do for us. It can get us 
to load faster, right? This is what a better GPU can do, you know, better lighting, things like that. You know, they really broke it down in terms of giving people an expectation of what they can expect when they buy the system this year. On top of that, the fact that they physically already had a box of controller, I think consumers are able to connect those two and it makes the system more realistic. You know, you feel like, yes, this is coming out this year. This is something that I will be able to buy. Um, and then the other key thing that Microsoft did was when they put out their specs last week, when they really broke down, these are the actual technical specifications. Um, they had already messaged to the general public. This is what the box looks like. This is what you can expect day one. They answered the questions. Yes, you, backwards compatibility uh, will be important. Uh, you can use your old controllers. You know, um, games will load faster. What they did, what they when when they put out the specs last week, is that they put out some short videos showing, hey, guess what? You can quickly resume between five games. Very easy to watch, very easy to understand. Um, they put out a video to show the difference in loads, right? They use State of Decay. Hey, on Xbox One, it was you know 35 seconds. On this new system, it's going to be eight seconds to get into your game. Very, very easy to understand. Very, very easy to see. Um, and this is something that Sony could have done. Like you don't, you don't need final architecture for Sony to make a video that shows Spider-Man, that shows the quick travel, right? And shows the differences between the two, right? Um, so Microsoft has done a better job messaging to the general public. But then I think the smart thing that they did was that they themselves did not do what Sony did. They, didn't, they themselves did not go through this technical breakdown. And the reason why that's so important is that when a company nowadays says that they're having an announcement or they're doing a talk, or they have a new video coming out, you're going to get the general public to latch on now more than before, right? Because as streaming has gotten more and more popular, as there's more and more streaming options and platforms, you're going to have more and more fans tuning in. And a lot of those fans are not people like me, core gamers that, you know, personally like these technical specifications, right? So Microsoft made the decision that, well, we're not going to be the ones to messages because we know that the people that are coming to us are not really just core users. They're the general public. And it just doesn't make sense for us to do a one-hour talk or a one-hour video talking about teraflops and let me explain to you why we, we went with a tiered RAM, why it's not 16 gigs of RAM, why is it 10 gigs at this speed, 6 gigs at this speed. Let me talk to you about what we can do with, with, with eight different cores and, you know, thing. let me talk about our cooling fan system, right? Uh, fans don't want to hear that. Fans just want to know, what am I going to get day one? What does it look like? Cool, what's the controller? And at some point, they're going to want to know the price and the games. That's all they want. Okay, they, they want it explained as simply as possible in order to make the system feel as realistic as possible when it comes to its release this year. Now, what Microsoft did was that they relied on third-party content creators such as Digital Foundry um, to come in, play around with the system. They gave them, I mean, unprecedented access to the system to the point where there were content creators such as Digital Foundry that were doing breakdowns. They were showing exactly how to how the system, you know, all the components come out, what each component does, how to put it, how to actually build an Xbox Series X, showing it sliding into the system, right? Um, talking about the cooling, 
um, having access to a dev unit to show off quick resume and how quickly things load. And what Microsoft said to themselves was Digital Foundry, I'm using that as an example, they weren't the only outlet. I know there were a couple of other YouTube videos that I saw where they where they gave them access. But what Microsoft did was, for, for people like Digital Foundry, they said, we know that people go to Digital Foundry for this exact thing. We know that they go to Digital Foundry to find out the type of RAM we're using, to find out what what's what's the exact clock speed you know what are the cores you know why did we do this what's the cooling you know how does everything fit together architecturally right um and they said you know what we want you to message this out because we know that people are, that want this data are gonna go directly to you it just made the utmost sense so the difference in messaging could not be any more different between xbox and playstation now do i do i believe that Oh, that's it. This is done. Microsoft's the winner. Absolutely not. Um, it sort of seems that developers are a little bit more excited about PlayStation 5, developing for PlayStation 5, than they are with Series X because of that fast SSD. I I didn't see the same sort of buzz from, from a developer standpoint when Xbox talked about their technicals. I'm seeing a lot more buzz from developers when it comes to the PlayStation 5, which I find very, very interesting. You know, I felt that this generation, we're going to see less and less um, exclusives. And, you know, I'm kind of wrong. You know, we might keep seeing exclusives right we're already seeing it with this generation with godfall for example which is so far ps5 exclusive we don't know if it's timed um at, at this at this moment but i feel like as development gets more and more expensive i don't think that companies are going to be willing to pay that price anymore to get third-party exclusives but another way to get exclusivity is if you make development easier and more exciting. So I think that's that's something interesting to look at um, in, in terms of what I saw. But in, uh, messaging Sony is really losing this battle. I think Microsoft has already won that battle in terms of we're the more powerful system. And obviously that's that's not really on paper. It could be true. But from development, it's such, it's such a complicated equation that it's not really proper to say that Microsoft's Xbox will be more powerful than PlayStation 5. I mean, it really comes down to the games, right? I mean, one of the best... Actually, I don't even think one of. I think the best-selling game of this year will be Animal Crossing, right? We're not sitting here saying that Animal Crossing is a graphics juggernaut, are we? So it really comes down to development art style, right? And um, But... From the general consensus and population, because of the fact that they've already showed the box, the fact that they're already running ads, they've won that 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 messaging battle of who has the more powerful system. Microsoft, I think, already won the battle, and I don't think there's anything Sony can do ad-wise um, in order to change people's minds, because Microsoft already grabbed that first. They already grabbed... Um, that messaging quickly when it came to we're the most powerful console, right? Um, and my concern is just that we haven't seen a box. As, as I said, I think when, when Sony is ready, they're going to show everything at once. They're going to show real-time games running. They're going to show actual gameplay. When they show the box, when they show the controller, I think that all that is is um, is actually coming. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. My, my feeling is 
you know, will PlayStation make it this year? I think Microsoft, you know, once again reiterated last week, yes, we are um, releasing holiday 2020. And the fact that we haven't seen the box, we haven't seen the controller, um, PlayStation hasn't really been talking about games. Um, you know, it, it makes me feel like, could Sony be facing a delay? You know, we'll obviously we'll, we'll just have to, um, to wait and see. I also just find it really funny. Every generation when Xbox and PlayStation put out their specs, you have their, not even their fanboys, their, their, their individual stands, the Xbox stands and the PlayStation stands, you know, arguing on social media of which one is more powerful and and you know it's just funny to see then then you look um over to the side and you see nintendo just running their own race where they're like yeah we're we're probably a 60 million consoles sold already and we have the the biggest game of the year and you know without having to talk about teraflops and all this garbage so i always find it funny um just because it, it's so minute the differences between these two systems it's not really about power it's really about support and, um, you know, when it really comes down to it, PlayStation is the one in terms of exclusivity. We just have to see exactly what Xbox Studios are really coming up with. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I think they're both going to do really well. But I think the key difference between the philosophy between these two systems is that Microsoft doesn't care how many boxes it sells. I think Sony really does care how many boxes it sells. Microsoft, they, they don't even care. I think both of these systems are going to come out at 500. I don't think either of them are going to be a penny above 500. I think um, both of them are going to sell like a loss. But I think that Microsoft is going to, Microsoft is does not really care if you buy their box or not. They just really don't care. At some point, they're looking at it as, I care more about your subscription. Are you subscribing to Game Pass? Are you subscribing to Xbox Gold? Are you buying games digitally on my service? Because I'm offering you xCloud and the ease of being able to access your games anywhere. I really could care less whether you buy my game, my box or not. Because in four years, I'll have an infrastructure in place where you'll be able to play Gears of War 6 anywhere without having to pick up a box. You could just buy the game, play it on my service, or pay, you know, twenty dollars, whatever it's gonna be, twenty dollars a month to get Game Pass and X Cloud together, and you could just play Gear Sex on the bus. So I could care less if you want to buy this this box for five hundred dollars. And I think that's the key difference in, in philosophy between these um bef- be- between these two systems when it when it really comes down to it. You know, Microsoft doesn't care if you play on PC. Um, Sony is really not going to match them when it comes to that. So I think I think Microsoft is really looking at at, at playing the long game um, when it comes to the future of how we play games. Hot releases. Um, never thought I would say this. A new Half Life <laughs> comes out March twenty third, aka today. We're seeing a brand new Half Life, Half Life Alex on PC VR. March 24th, tomorrow, we have Bleeding Edge on Xbox and Xbox Game Pass, also on PC Game Pass. Moons of Madness coming to PS4 and Xbox One. Paper Beast for PS4 VR. Vampire the Masquerade Coteries of New York comes to Switch. And then uh, March 25th, it will be coming to the PlayStation 4. March 26th, we have Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. And March 27th, we have Saints Row 4 re-elected, re-elected for Switch. And then Jedi Academy for uh, PlayStation 4. It was only out up until now for Nintendo Switch. Uh, and that's it for our show. Our, our, our show, like I said, kind of short and sweet. Not much news this week. 
um, as we all stay indoors. Hopefully in our quarantine, please, for the love of everything, please uh, stay home. It's 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 so immensely important. I think it's important for people to realize that you do not need to show symptoms for to, to be carrying the COVID nineteen. So please do not think that if you're young and you're healthy, you're you're all good to go and you're you know invincible. Um, shout out, you know, my shout out for 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 this week is to to the uh, essential workers around the world. Um, you know, I was thinking of you know shouting out to to to, to gamers, you know. Uh, for for staying indoors and really embracing this this uh, this quarantine and finding ways to keep themselves occupied, but I think it's more important to give a shout out to essential workers and and essential workers. You know, we have to think about doctors and nurses that are working um, fourteen hour shifts back to back, putting their their health at risk um, every single time that they do it. But uh, please don't forget about supermarket workers, pharmacists, delivery men and women, Department of Sanitation, mass transit workers, the people who have always kept our cities, states and countries running and now more than ever are essential um, to this new normal that we're living under right now. So I'm hoping that once um, we get back to the new normal, because I don't think anything will ever be normal again. I think we're going to hit a new normal um, that that people show a lot more respect to people who work retail, people, supermarket workers, people who have an honest day's job, sanitation workers, uh, mass transit employees, uh, that people look at these um, men and women every single day and don't look down on them. Because, you know, I've, I've worked retail for a, a bulk of my life, and I definitely understand that feeling of being looked down on. And, and you know, some people... Uh, feeling like they're better than you, thinking that if you're working at McDonald's fast food or you work in a supermarket, you're a dummy, um, you know, you're a dropout. So, uh, but now we're seeing that these workers are more essential than than we've ever, than I think most people realize. So, shout out to all these men and women um, while we're at home, being able to, um, you know, stay safe and stay healthy. Um, there's still a lot of people that are still going about their day to day in order to provide for us, and and obviously that includes uh, imperatively doctors and nurses around the world. And that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining me. Please be safe. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cam Koji for future updates. Once again, I am Joel, and I will see you guys next week.